today we're going to look at, we're going to continue on this, this whole binary idea of God is binary. And the topic that I'm going to look at today is wisdom versus foolishness. And in our culture, the foolish are often thought of as silly or ridiculous, and, and foolishness may be described as an unawareness that is leading to, to trouble. It can lead to annoyance or, or offense. But however, I believe that the Bible usage of this term is not primarily about someone who is silly or someone who's just naive. Psalm 14, verse 1, just the beginning of 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's way, way more than just being unaware or silly or ridiculous. Scripture is telling us that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise, what? Wisdom and instruction. So the foolish that we're talking about today and this, this idea of wisdom versus foolishness, the foolish are the ones who are rejecting the Lord and, and hold God's wisdom in contempt. They choose not to fear the Lord. They ignore the advice and the rebuke of our Lord, and they refuse to walk in his wisdom. And, and they do not follow his ways. See, instead, the, the fool, the foolish one, will rely on themselves. They'll rely on their, their own way of doing things. And, and trusting themselves, uh, the fool does not recognize that, that their own heart and Jeremiah 79 is desperately wicked. You know, that, that scripture, as I've let that get in me, you know, we, we like, oh, well, people, people are really good. Generally, people are really, no, I think people have the tendency to act good at times, but if we go scripture-wise, the heart of a person without Christ is what? Desperately wicked. And it needs conversion. It needs change. So it should be no surprise then that those that are foolish are, are, are having a problem and they, they really have a corruption in their life and, and their way is not honoring towards God. See, they can enjoy wicked schemes. Fools uh, will despise the wisdom that there is found in the Lord and in our God and all the wisdom that he desires for us to have. See, God has given us wisdom. I know you talk about James 5, you know, ask for it, and he will give it, and he will give it liberally. He's going to give it to you, ask for it. He's going to get it. The problem is, is I think we just expect to say, oh, I want it, and we've got it, and we're all done with it. But I don't think that's the way wisdom works in the ways of the Lord, because it takes work, it takes effort, it takes time, it takes, you have to Find wisdom. And how do you find wisdom? Well, in his word. But see, the problem that I have found that is we as the creation, 
have kind of told us, our creator, that we have the better idea. And I think that's happening regularly, regularly in our culture. And if you question what I'm saying, let's go to Romans 1. I'm going to have it up here, and I know I'm kind of ripping along, and I'm sorry I'm not probably giving you time to get there in your scripture, but I have a few scriptures that I want to get to this morning and just be responsible with the time that you've given us to be here today. So Romans 1, you can see it on the screen, 1, 21 through 23 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We could see throughout scriptural history and throughout scripture how mankind has so many times taken things and they have tried to make their own gods. They've carved them, they've made them, they even put them up and worshiped them. And yet it doesn't breathe, it doesn't, you know, I mean, there is nothing to it other than what was created. See, the foolish, again, despise wisdom because they willingly exchange the God of the universe for things that are corruptible and temporary. We gotta be able to touch it, feel it, see it. Foolish men reject who God is and are ungrateful for what he has done. But I say, and I listen to me closely, I am thankful for the contraction, but. Because Jesus contrasts the foolish and the wise person in this particular parable in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and a great crash. I think I've got a picture that just brings a little bit of understanding. Two houses built in certain ways. And when I saw that picture, I thought, oh my gosh, it's so right, you know, depending on what it's built upon, right? I know you've heard this message and I know we've talked about this, but if it's not built firmly on the rock, it might last for a short little bit, but as the storms of life come, and do you want to guarantee, you want to guarantee in life, storms are coming. The scripture tells me that when, when the rain comes down, and when the streams rise, and when the wind blows, and beats against the house, what is your foundation on? See, fools despise wisdom. They're on a path to destruction. And what seems wise in the fool's eyes will ultimately fail. The only trusting in his wisdom will last. 
Let me give you another scripture here out of 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Have you ever been told you're a fool for believing what you believe? Have you ever had somebody laugh at you, mock you, do whatever? You're nuts for believing that stuff. But I just love that I can take scripture and I can reaffirm what I'm believing because you know what? To them, it may be a foolishness, but to me, it's what has saved me. It's what's brought the power of God into my life. It's what's brought the peace into my life. And the world will often, t- often tell you what to hear, what you think you should hear, but God's wisdom is precious and it's life-giving. Don't give in to the foolishness of this age. Hold on to the gospel no matter the cost. Can I say that again? Hold on to this gospel, this word that we have, no matter the cost. Because it's going to cost us something. And, and even watching things pan out in our world that we're living in today, it, it's, it's, things are changing and we got to hold on to this for all that it's worth. So here's, if we were to go back into Matthew 7, I'm not going to read the scripture, I'm just going to summarize it real quick. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. There is a wide way, and many will choose that way, which leads to destruction. Or, there's a narrow gate. There is a narrow way that leads to life. And then these kind of almost haunting words, and there are few who find it. Have you found that path today? Have you found that narrow path and have you chosen to walk on that narrow, narrow path? Because it's the road that's less traveled. It's not the road that everybody wants to travel. And the problem is, is the road that everybody travels can look appealing because everybody's moving that direction. But that's not always the way that it should be. And, and, and we are told through Jesus and his words, that's not the way. Don't look for the wide one and where everybody's going. Because if you get onto that, you're going to get caught up into the group and you're going to be kind of almost a mob mentality and moving along. Because the way that leads to life is narrow and few find it. It's a narrow path. It's not taken by everybody. It's not taken by many, actually. But we must keep in mind that those who are wise and following and learning and searching for his wisdom will be on this more narrow path. His, his life that he gave for us, we just took this communion service and what he did for us. It's so easy sometimes to just get in that and kind of say it and move on, but to, to examine it, to let it really help you search your heart. His life he gave for you and me. He's never been interested. Can I just... Can I just burst your bubble this morning a little bit? He was never interested in making sure that you're comfortable and happy here. I believe in following him. Happiness lands in our lap. I believe we have those goods. He said we can have life and life more abundantly, but we have to do it his way. But if you're just out looking for comfort and more money or more of this or more of that, more things, 
You know what? You can find those things, but they're never going to bring that peace. They're never going to bring that happiness that he can bring us. Because he's not so worried about us being comfortable and happy. The wise person must work toward holiness and righteousness. You want to know why the way to him, to the Lord, is the narrow path? Because there's holiness involved and there's righteousness involved. And and that's not always the easy way to travel, to go. And then as Paul was writing to his younger, he called him his younger brother in the faith, Timothy, who was in Ephesus at the time. We're going to read 1 Timothy 6 here in just a moment. Let me just tell you a little bit about Ephesus that I was able to just look up and find out here just a little bit in the last few days. And and it was a city that would have, I think, been a very difficult city to live out the Christian faith. It was influential. It was prosperous. People were obsessed with the pursuit of happiness, materialism, and possessions, and chasing after all those pleasures. I hate to say it, but it sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Paul wrote to Timothy, helping him to point the believers down the path that was in stark contrast to the way that the people were living in Ephesus due to the, to the false teachers that were out there, the, the teachers that were talking about all these other things. And boy, it sounded good, and it even maybe felt good for a little bit. And here, let Again, without reading the whole passage, let me just read verse 3 to you out of 1 Timothy 6. Verse 3, it says, If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. And verse 9 reads, People who want to get rich and fall into temptation and have a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So if you're in 1 Timothy and you're reading the, the last part of verse 5 and the beginning of verse 6, it's talking about all these things that, that it was so much materialism and money and prosperity and all these other things. And that's what they were driving towards. And that was a very loud message. And I'm sorry, but I feel that's a very loud message in the church world today. And that's not what we're called to. We're called to following him. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. And here is the, so what are you talking about all this for this morning? Here it is. Here's my so what for you. 1 Timothy 6.11. But you, man of God, flee from all of this. And pursue righteousness and godliness and faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Oh, did that ever, not sting, but man, did that affect my heart. But you, man of God, woman of God, Flee those things that were all being spoke of in the, at the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6. All this materialism and prosperity and all this other stuff. Because that was becoming the God that they were starting to follow. But he says, you, man of God. So I'm speaking to many followers of Jesus Christ, I believe, in this house today. 
And I want you to hear this, and I want you to read it, and I want you to get it working in your heart. But you, man of God, you, woman of God, flee all that stuff that doesn't bring, it's it's, going to bring foolishness into our lives if we don't follow through God's wisdom in all of this. The love of money, neglecting the teaching of the word, the slandering of God's name, continuing in controversies and quarrels, and envy and strife and malicious talk and evil suspicions. How about this? Thinking godliness is a means to financial gain. But you, man of God, should be living out your life differently than all of those that are around you. And you should be seen as being different by those who live contrary to the life that we are following. See, we, we got to be fleeing some of those things. We've got to be fleeing them. I, I'm just one that's like, okay, so you're talking about fleeing those things or whatever. Can you bring it home a little bit more to me? And let me try. Let me try. Let, let's look at a couple things I think that the world says is correct and it conflicts with God's instructions to us in life. The culture calls the biblical way, the biblical things, foolishness. When our Lord calls it wisdom. Things like, have you ever been told you're crazy for tithing? Giving your money to the church? Oh, come on. You know, are, are, you, are you serious? You believe that stuff? Yeah, I do. I believe I'm one of those crazy people because for me, it's the obedience of what I'm taught through Scripture and the giving because all that I have is not my own because I'm so good and I'm the one that developed all this. It's because God has chosen to bless me in the life that I'm living and the things that I have, and it's all his anyhow. So now I have to steward it the right way. And so, yeah, I'm one of those crazy people that do that. How about you? Uh, Call me crazy if you have to. You know, I'm okay with it. Or how about the family that has a young boy or a young girl that's being raised and and they're deciding to keep the devices out of their hands at, at very young ages because they're concerned about all the things that can stream in on a device and come before their eyes and it's there before you even know it. So you, mom and dad or grandpa and grandpa or whoever it is that's helping to do this it's not going to be easy, and we're going to be fighting a system that's saying, just give it to I mean, we fight a system that, that almost puts a screen in front of the baby's eyes just to keep them entertained, if you will, or to keep them quiet. We've got to think, those are certain things I think we've got to fight because things that can be streamed and can be before their eyes before we know it. Or how about the young executive that chooses to go back to his or her, her room because they're out on a business trip and decides, no, I'm not going to go with that gang. Oh, come on. Be a part of it, you know? And, and, and no, I don't think I need that. I, 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 know my, I know my tendencies. I know my behaviors. It would be better for me. And you're not necessarily saying this out loud, but I've, I've been in this situation and it's like, no, I'm going back to my room because I'm not putting myself in that environment. 
what's wrong with you? Come on, Ellen. I've heard it so many times. Come on. I had people at work that were trying to tell me what they were going to get me into because I stood against that in my life, you know, and not trying to pat myself on the back, but, but I think you know what I'm saying here. Or how about a newly engaged couple who announces that they're going to get married? Oh boy, they still live in separate homes? Why would you do that? That's, would you ever buy a pair of shoes without trying them on? Just try it out. See that it works, that the two of you can live together and, and make sure it works. No, shoes in marriage are not the same thing. Right? I'm telling you, it's like, no, try to do it the Lord's way and you will have great success. Not try, do it the Lord's way and you will have great success. Because we're doing it the way through God's wisdom. He's made us wise to do these things or, or I'm saving myself for marriage. Are you nuts? Why would you do something like that? Because the scripture says, but you, man of God, you, woman of God, flee those foolish things. And then what does it say? It says, pursue. And I want to talk to you about that word pursue for just a second. It's a verb. It means there's actions behind it. Start to pursue these things. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's stop acting like in this life we're blessed and it's just going to happen. We're not to be passive in this life. You know what? We're not just supposed to come and attend on a Sunday morning and then go do the rest of the week the way that we chose to do it. We should be doing the rest of the week the way he's blessed us with and what we have to do it. And we honor him in all that we do. Our faith is an active faith. Not passive, it's active. It should be constantly moving and going forward and working. And that means there's going to be hard days. There's going to be times where you're like, God, where are you? But we know that he hasn't forsaken us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It takes training. It takes work. It's hard to be a follower of Jesus at times. Because it is countercultural. It takes sacrificing at times and not doing what everybody else is doing. It takes time and action on our own parts. Becoming a follower of Jesus and becoming disciplined and obedient to his word means we're not to be spectators we are to be contributors. Our worship team is coming in right now and they're gonna to begin to, to play and I just wanna challenge you right now with that idea of we are not, I think we have a screen that says that and I'm gonna just ask you to leave that up for a little bit. We are not to be spectators. Don't just come in, sit and go away at the end of service and think everything's all taken care of. No, let's start being contributors to this. We're going to start getting into this. We're going to start following. And I believe that this church will help you and guide you and direct you in that. But all we are is a help. This has to be what you have designed. This is what you have decided. This is what you have planned to do and make a part of your life.
every day. You have to be contributing to this and working through his word and getting this stuff into us. I said it before and I'll continue to say it. We have to know whose we are. We must know our Father in heaven and what he says about us. What Jesus in his word says about us and who we are. And quit letting the world tell us what they think it is. And start letting his word and his presence in our life start instructing us about who we are. We're not spectators of this thing. We're to be contributors into it. Because you know what? I know it can sound foolish. To those that aren't believing, this sounds crazy. What is wrong with you? You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't do You know what? I absolutely feel like I can touch my Lord. And I believe he can touch me. And I've had that experience where I know that. And I believe you can too. Will you bow your heads? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for being in your house. And Lord, that your word has worked in us and it can continue to work in us. And I ask that we'll continue to stir in each and every one. Lord God, we, we just can't come in and watch what you do or, or sit back and maybe see a really good thing or we have a really good song or the pastor says a really good word or, or we see a really neat video and, and oh yeah, that's really good and think that that's going to carry us as we go away. We can't just spectate at it. Lord, we got to begin to contribute into it. And I'm just asking that you would help each and every one that has heard this today. That Lord, that will be what gets into their heart and that they will be, continue to be contributors. They will be active, not passive in their walk of faith. I ask that you bless each and every one. We thank you for this weekend. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this nation that you've allowed us to be a part of. Thank you, O Lord God. Father, as Cam has said so well, we worship you. We worship and praise you. We thank you for this time. Bless each one. I ask it in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. Before you move, we're going to have a worship team. They're going to sing a song, Amazing Grace. Because his grace is amazing. And as they sing this, and they're going to sing through, I think, three of the verses, right? I want you to be in a place where you are examining where you're at. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Today can be that day. Because you need Jesus to be in your life. He's the one that gave his life so that we can have eternal life. And if that's you today, we'll have somebody that will meet you here at the altar and we'll pray for you for that. My other thing is, where is your house built? I think it's time to examine. Are you built firmly upon the rock or are you still on the sand? Because you know the sand can, can look really good at the time but and it can be really quick and it can go up really fast. But as life comes and these things, it begins to pound against it. 
Which road are you traveling? The wide road where there's many going or is it the narrow road? Lord, I need to redirect my path. I need to redirect my footsteps. Today, you can do that too in prayer. Or have you become more of a spectator, more of a consumer rather than a contributor to the work of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. So you've got a few things to think about. As they sing this, you can stand and if you'd like to come forward and pray, just come forward, begin to talk to the Lord. Let him do that work in your heart. If you need somebody, we have some uh, people that work here at the altars, elders, deacons, other altar workers that will be here to meet you. Would you stand with me as we sing this? Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for this time together. Thank you for being in your house together. I just pray right now that as we go this from this place today, that, Lord God, we take this in our hearts. And, Lord, we go into this world. We go far beyond these walls to allow this message to be in front of us wherever we go. And we relay this message to those those, those that are struggling, those that are having a hard time, those that aren't sure who you are. And Lord, you've put us in their path. Help us share that love of Jesus Christ with all those that we have the encounter of. Give you the praise, we give you the glory, and I ask that you just keep each one as we go. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. The altars are open if you need prayer. Our Elders are here to anoint with oil if you need that. God bless you.